So again, Exodus 15, we're going to start in verse 22, we're going to go down to the end of the chapter, which isn't a whole lot of verses, but boy, what a very, very rich passage in front of us tonight, and I think it's a passage that deals with some real practical things that, uh, boy, can really seem small, but make a big impact on our lives when we're walking in bitterness, and uh, perhaps when we're tempted to step into bitterness, kind of message tonight kind of goes along with what we looked at on Sunday where we were there in James and it talks about us not grumbling against one another and not bearing a grudge and I I didn't line up the timing in these messages so we're kind of getting a double portion with Sunday and Wednesday night in fact I even referenced our passage tonight on on Sunday morning um, as one of the illustrations and we'll go into bigger detail about that and I've found over the years that uh, there's no coincidences with God, um, and we'll even look at this verse tonight, that we plan our ways, but He directs our steps, and so perhaps we're just in a place where the Lord is either A, wanting to safeguard us as a fellowship against grudges and grumbling and complaining and bitterness, or it's a thing where the Lord's shining a light tonight on our grumbling and grudges <laughs> and bitterness and complaining, because... Um, uh, I think we've all been there before, right? If we're going to be honest. And maybe some of us are there or some of us are feeling the brunt of that. And so it's just wonderful how the Lord gives us instruction and great hope in this. And, you know, not only addresses the issue, but gives us counsel on how to deal with these things. And I just love that about the Word of God, how practical it is. And uh, how, indeed, the truth sets us free. And uh, I'm praying that tonight, that if anyone here is sitting in a place of bitterness, that Tonight you'll get set freed from that, because uh, uh, as we'll see here in a second, it's not a good place to be. Well, uh, just a couple quick announcements. Tomorrow we have uh, prayer at noon in the church office, so you're invited to come join us. And uh, I'm going to keep announcing this for the next, I think, three Wednesdays, uh, Easter and Good Fridays right around the corner, and uh, the Lord willing, we'll be out in Sunken Gardens again. And uh, right now, it looks like... From what they're saying, the weather's going to be beautiful, but you never know, that might change, and that's all in God's hands, so we're not going to sweat that. But um, there is posters and invite cards, and I think Pastor Dwight's going to be out at the table out there tonight if you have questions in regards to helping out, because just a lot of hands are needed, and a lot of hands are always involved, and it's a great thing. And uh, one other point is that we really want to be lifting those services up in prayer, uh, because... uh, Listen, there's, there's, a, there's a spiritual warfare that's raging around us all the time, but I guarantee you it gets intensified, even on a night tonight when we come gather together, you know, to worship the Lord, and the enemy works hard to bring distractions and to keep people away, and you go out to the park, you go out to the public square to share the gospel, and there's, there's an, an intensified and amplified warfare that takes place, so we want to be praying. And I want to really ask you guys tonight, after our Bible studies, you break up in small groups to lift up those services to the Lord. And then uh, the next two Sunday nights at 5 p.m., we're going to be praying out in the park and really encourage you to consider coming out uh, to pray for that, those, those outreaches uh, specifically on those nights. So um, as well, just one other announcement. If you were with us Sunday, there's bulletins. I, I still believe there's a few bulletins left through the back door there. But there's some ministry opportunities, and a few of them are on Wednesday nights in this service we have right here. We're looking for a person to uh, help run the projector. Uh, I think, I don't think it's every week, but fill in over here. And uh, at first, it's a little intimidating, but you'll, uh, you know, if that's something that you want to get involved in, we'll train you up and get you uh, ready to go on that. And if, you know, you throw up the, the first, the wrong verse, you only get booed a few times, and then you'll... You'll recover and get over it and whatnot. So uh, no pressure tonight, Greg. So, all right. And then uh, also with sound, uh, uh, another person to get involved in that. We got quite a few people involved in these ministries and people rotating through. And it just, a lot of hands makes it, makes it a, a little easier. Then on Sunday morning on the second service, um, there's an, an opening or a, 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 an opportunity to help in the nursery. And um, a lot of folks involved in the nursery and, so an opportunity to get involved back there. So if you're interested in any of those things, you can talk to myself or grab a ministry application. They're right out there in the foyer and give that to Kristen 
in the office or Pastor Dwight or somebody, and we'll go from there and uh, get, you, get you plugged in there. So again, let's read our text here. I, I want to do that first and then talk about bitterness and then really get in here because this really addresses, I think, how bitterness sets in. It can set in different ways, but we see some clear ways in the scripture how bitterness set in. Uh, they come to bitter waters, but it's a picture more of the heart of Israel. And then there's some real, real huge steps given us to uh, us here in the passage tonight of how to get free from it. And uh, I, I have no doubt at all if tonight you came in here with a bitter heart or with a grudge or a hardness in your heart uh, towards another person uh, or a situation or perhaps even towards the Lord. And really, ultimately, if there's bitterness in your heart, ultimately it is against the Lord. Listen, the Lord wants to set you free from it tonight. And uh, it's not a place where the Lord wants you to be to take refuge in because just like we talked about Sunday, when you got a grudge in your heart or you're in a place of grumbling or unforgiveness, and it's similar with bitterness, they all kind of mix together to make this, you know, this drink that's just grotesque, you know. There's not life found there. It's not a safe place. It's not a, a, a place of, of joy. It's not a place of safety either. Uh, the Lord wants to get you out of that place in a place where you're resting and abiding in Him and in that forgiveness that you found and have attained by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to free your heart so that you're extending that same grace and forgiveness to others. And that's a wonderful place to be. That's that place where we're abiding in Him. So let's read the text here. And as we start to break it down, we'll, we'll talk about what happened before this and just catch up to speed anyone that hasn't been with us the last few weeks but it says here exodus fifteen twenty two. so moses brought israel from the red sea and they went out into the wilderness of shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water now they came now when they came to marah they could drink they could not drink the waters of marah for they were bitter therefore the name of it was called marah and the people complained against moses saying what shall we drink so he cried out to the lord and the lord showed him a tree when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed, my, heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, and where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, and they camped there by the waters. Bitterness, what is it? A lot of definitions. This is one that I came up with. Bitterness is holding an angry grudge against someone who wronged you or against someone whom you think has wronged you. The soil of bitterness is a heart that harbors hostility and does not deal with the hurt by the grace of God. When someone becomes bitter, that bitterness takes root in the heart and grows deeper. And that root growing deeper, again, not my opinion, God's word addresses this. Notice Hebrews twelve fourteen. It says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. And notice what it says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. And the word trouble here, it means to irritate. So you're not edifying a situation, but you're irritating a situation. And this isn't implying a type of irritation where there's someone that's just grumpy in the room. You ever been around someone that's just very short and very grumpy? And they're not bringing joy into the room. They're not being a peacemaker, but they're just more stirring things up. This irritating here or trouble, it's not that. That's kind of a surface trouble or surface irritating. This, this is talking about deeper than that. You know, the picture of maybe a, 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 a wound that is not being allowed to heal. And it's being picked at over and over and over again. And when that's spiritually or emotionally or in a group setting, listen, that's not a small trouble. That's a big trouble. In fact, the word... Here it says, and by this many become defiled. That word defiled means to contaminate. And so it's a picture of irritating a situation or maybe if you think of it like this, kind of 
opening a wound and then contaminating it with one's bitterness. And this can either be, again, in, one owns, in, in one's heart, but absolutely it's something that if the people that are around that bitter person don't deal with it properly, it's something that spreads very quickly. Because if you've ever been around someone who's bitter, someone who is just kind of hostile and angry, boy, you really got to deal with that in the spirit, don't you? Because it's one thing if you're around them for, you know, a, a few hours or you're subjected to them here or there, but when you're around them all the time, boy, isn't it tempting to start to get bitter towards them <laughs> and angry towards them and to start returning bitterness with bitterness and so forth. And there's a lot of households in the world today that the joy of the Lord isn't present. And some of those households are even households that profess the name of the Lord, but they're households that are full of bitterness and anger and grudges. And it all started with one individual somehow, whether it was someone in that house right now or one of their elders at some point, and it spread and then it's something that's even learned. And boy, our children learn from us, don't they? And we want them to learn the good things. My prayer for my kids is that the wood, hay, and stubble would be burned away, that all the bad stuff they wouldn't learn. And yes, your pastor's a work in progress. <laughs> and those good things, the gold, silver, and precious stones, those things of the Spirit, that they would learn those things and walk in those things. But man, bitterness and anger, those grudges, that unforgiveness... Again, as the scripture talks about here, a root of bitterness that springs up. It's a picture of it growing. Boy, it's something that could really greatly take away from one's life. Really hinder a believer in walking in the fullness of what the Lord has for them. It's something that absolutely can keep one out of that land of milk and honey where you're walking in the fruits and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and put them in that place where they're a Christian because they have faith in Jesus, but they're in that land of wilderness. And boy, not only in a land of wilderness, but the plant life that's there, it's just roots that are bringing forth bushes and trees of bitterness and so forth. And when you get in that place, then you got to go in and even clear out the land, right? It's not just as easy to go pull out the root. You got to chop some stuff down and deal with some things. And as we get into this, there might be things tonight that the Lord brings to your attention that you need to deal with. Maybe even talking about right now, there's things coming to your mind that you know you need to deal with. And maybe you're saying, I don't want to deal with it. Listen, the Lord wants you to deal with it. The Lord wants you to get freed up. And I know when it comes to bitterness, especially when it's the product of being hurt or feeling like you've been hurt by someone or wounded by somebody, feel like things aren't fair, you ever feel like life's not fair? Is it ever coming out of anyone's mouth? This is not fair. If we got really what's fair, none of us would even be here tonight. But that's where we got to replace that statement, it's not fair with, let's step out of faith. Let's trust the Lord. Let's do what the Lord's called us to do. And that's where freedom's found. That's where root of bitterness, you know, the trees and bushes get cut down and the roots start getting weeded out. And the Lord will even come in and, you know what, spray some Holy Ghost Roundup on it and whatnot. <laughs> so notice 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, then they went out. And to go out, it means you have to come from being in. And I don't know how long we've been in the book now, but for quite a while we saw from where we finished in Genesis on Sunday morning to these nights we spent on Wednesday night in Exodus, uh, we spent quite a few studies looking at Israel there in Egypt. And we saw they were in bondage there. You know, the Lord brought them down there to multiply them and put them in an iron furnace, so to speak, so that they would grow and through the trials, grow into a great nation. Um, but absolutely, they were in a place of bondage and they cried out and the Lord delivered them. Raised up a type of Christ to Moses and eventually delivered them through the blood of the Lamb. And uh, 
most of the places in Scripture where you talk about Egypt, you, you, you see the world. And uh, before we came to Christ, we were in the world. We were in our sin. And there's only one way to be delivered from our sin, and that's the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And praise God that He did send His Son to pay the penalty of our sin there on the cross. And tonight, if you don't know the Lord, listen, we're sinners and our sin separates us from God, but Jesus Christ has made the way of life. And He's defeated death and sin through His death and resurrection. And the Word of God says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord be saved. And it's a wonderful thing to go from this place of being in the graveyard, being an enemy of God, to putting faith in Jesus and crossing that bridge that's been made available through the cross of Christ and being forgiven and being a new creation in Christ Jesus. From going from being under the law to being under grace, it's a place of glory. And so they went out from Egypt, and then we saw as the Egyptians came and chased them down, there between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea, the Lord split that and the went through the Red Sea. And it's interesting because in the Bible when it talks about baptism, people oftentimes just think about water baptism, but there's many baptisms actually in the Bible. And one of the baptisms found in the Old Testament is the baptism of Moses. The Bible addresses it as that, that they had left Egypt there in the wilderness and then they went through that Red Sea as the, you know, the waters were split and the Bible talks about the baptism of Moses. And I think in many ways it's kind of like our water baptism. That's not the thing that saved him, right? What saved him out of Egypt? It was the blood of a lamb, right? And then putting faith in their message of salvation in the sense of saving them from Egypt and putting that blood over their doorpost. Their faith was seen in their action. And what saves us, again, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and then... That baptism for us shows that we were delivered and is sending that message to everyone else that, hey, I put my faith in Jesus and I'm washed. And the fact that you were out there in the wilderness, again, shows that they have been delivered by the blood of the Lamb. And then as they went through the Red Sea there, again, it was emphasizing the fact that now Egypt is behind them and signified to everybody, we're no longer in bondage because as the waters came back in, their enemy was defeated. As they got outside of the Red Sea, we saw that they had an incredible time of praise and worship. That the first psalm that we see recorded in the Bible was written. And they praised the Lord of how the Lord threw the horse and the rider in the sea and delivered them. And so they came out of Egypt. They came through the baptism of Moses. They came into a time of worship. And they also came out with a great promise. Because God hadn't said, I'm going to deliver you out of Egypt to go dwell in the wilderness for 40 years. It was God's desire that they would take a step of faith and go into a land of promise. Again, this land of milk and honey. Exodus 3.8, he says, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land that is good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites. So, Again, they were also coming out with a promise. And in that, there should have been great expectations, expectations in their hearts, you know what, of, of okay, what's God going to do next? And listen, it, the Lord wants us not to seek after experience, but to seek after Him and His Word. But in that, listen, we can always rest to know that the Lord has something for us, Right? Sometimes what he has for us is a trial, but listen, the Lord's in those things. And other times, you know what, he has new doors open and so forth. And I don't think there's anything wrong in serving our God with great expectations of what he's going to do next. Not trying to manipulate the situation, again, not seeking after experience, not trying to drum up something that's not of him. But just the very fact that Jesus Christ is coming back like a thief in the night, boy, we should be living with great expectations, that the Lord could come at any time. And so this is all that's before them. Again, delivered out through the Red Sea. A time of praise with great promise, with great expectation. And then where do they end up? So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out. We talked about where they went out from. Into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. It's interesting the word Shur in the Hebrew it means wall. And so they leave again in this glorious way. They leave with 
great praise. They leave with great promise. They leave with great expectation. They go out into the wilderness, and what do they do? They hit a wall. You ever feel like you hit a wall in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? You ever feel like you're in the wilderness in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? And you got to understand these Israelites, they weren't wilderness people. We might think of Egypt today as some desert wasteland with, you know what, a few green areas. But listen, Egypt at that point was incredibly prosperous. And even as they were enslaved there, there were still some provisions that they had. And it wasn't a place of wilderness. And now, again, they're leaving with all these promises. And all of a sudden, they're up against the wall in the wilderness. And we see very quickly that they begin to say, listen, this wasn't our plan here. This is looking good. Moses, why have you brought us out here? God, why are we in this place? And really, where they were was a place of trial. And yet, God was orchestrating and ordaining all of this. Because listen, they weren't ready yet to go into the promised land. They weren't ready yet for the battles they were encountered, would encounter there. They were in a place where they needed their faith to be built more. They were in a place where they needed to be refined more. They were in a place where, listen, they weren't even mature enough to be able to handle all the blessings that God had for them in Canaan. Because we'll see very shortly, the Lord willing, as we continue in Exodus on Wednesday night, that before you know it, the Lord provides for them, I think it's in the next chapter, manna from heaven. And they can't handle that blessing because he says, listen, just take enough that you need for the day. And immediately they begin to scrounge up more and the next day it turns into stink, it turns into worms. And then they say they, you know, want, want meat, and he brings quail, and they can't handle that blessing. They go like savages and begin to rip into these birds the Lord brings. And so God had brought them to this place of the wilderness, this place of the wall, so to speak, to do a work in them, to prepare them for what he has next for them. And let me tell you again, in our lives and our walks with the Lord, as hopefully we can identify that we've been brought out of Egypt, hopefully we are a worshipful people, and hopefully we're a people that understand we have promises that God's given to us, and he wants us to live with great expectations with our eyes on him. In the course of that, listen, there's going to be trials that come and tribulations that come. There's going to be times of wilderness. There's going to be times where it feels like we're up against the wall. And listen, in those times, we need to even all the more, are you going to hear this? Practice our Christianity, amen? Where we really got to trust, where we really got to acknowledge Him, where we got to really stand in Proverbs 3, 5, that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Because listen, when we don't acknowledge Him and we're not trusting in Him, when we forget those promises, it begins to be a ground that begins to cultivate a root of bitterness. You ever been in a trial? You ever been in the wilderness up against the wall? And you get your eyes off the Lord. You get the eyes off the, your eyes off the promises of God. You quit taking your thoughts captive. And what begins to happen? The ground begins to get cultivated again for that root of bitterness to spring up. For that anger to begin to grow. For your spirit to begin to be filled with hostility and coldness towards others or worse yet against the Lord himself. And so we want to make sure again in the trial in the wilderness up against the wall that it's even all the more we practice our Christianity because he's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us. That takes a step of faith though, doesn't it? Because when you're three days in the desert and there's no water, things are looking kind of grim. In fact, again, again, they went three days. And three days before this, let's remember, they'd just seen a glorious miracle. The Red Sea was split. They went through. The Egyptian army drowned as the walls of the water came back upon them. They had a wonderful time of praise and worship. And then three days go by, and it seems that they forget the Lord. Isn't it amazing how... 
Three days is enough time to forget God's goodness? Sometimes it's only a few minutes, right? <laughs> a few minutes, we can begin to forget the Lord and who He is and the promises and who we are in Him. And hear this, when you begin to forget God's goodness, again, it cultivates the ground for a root of bitterness to spring up. We're cultivating the ground in a trial if we start to get angry versus I'm going to acknowledge the Lord. When we begin to forget, again, and this can happen very quickly, God's promises, it begins to cultivate the ground. And this is why the God's told us to be thankful in all things. This is why we should be people who count our blessings. And we're blessed that we can even count blessings because there's so many of them. And we need to be a people that are found in godly contentment because there's great gain in that. But when we begin to forget the Lord and forget His promises again out in the wilderness against the wall, bitterness would begin to cultivate in the ground. It says three days into the wilderness they went and found no water. And listen, that's about as long as you can go before you're going to die. You can go days on end without food. That's what we need to come up with, you know. We're prepping, right? We're prepping here. <laughs> but water, you can't go long. Three days, maybe max. But again, what are they doing? They're now focusing in on their circumstances that they feel like are going to kill them. And what's it doing once again is cultivating, is cultivating bitterness. We forget His promises. When we, again, we're not acknowledging that the Lord is going before us. And then when our focus goes on the circumstance, there's no water here versus the Lord. Bitterness begins to set in. Verse 23, now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. And make no mistake, listen, the water is reflective of where they were as they begin to complain against Moses. These things aren't just written to give us a historical count. The Holy Spirit moved upon men to pin these things, and God directed their steps so we could even learn from their example. And this had to, at this point, seem like a cruel joke to them. We're, we're delivered in this glorious way we're saved from the Egyptian army. We go three days. We see water. They probably rejoice when they saw the water in a distance, right? Water! And then they get there, and the water is bitter. Again, so it says, therefore, it was called Mara. And as I mentioned Sunday, they weren't very uh, creative in their name naming, right? It's like, Tripping over a rock and then name it, naming it Tripping Rock. So they came here and the water was bitter, so they called it Bitter Water. I think there was a Bitter Water Road in East San Luis County out there. And I know the water's bitter out there, so alkaline and whatnot out there. And there's some ideas with this water that we'll talk about in a little bit here of perhaps why it was called Bitter Water. But again... The very water before them that was bitter, it was reflective of their hearts. Very quickly, they became bitter. Very quickly, again, verse 24, they begin to complain against Moses. And we talked about Sunday, and we'll see here in a second as well. Our complaints and our bitterness, when it sets in, we may think it's against a person. We may think it's against a situation. But ultimately, it's against the Lord. Because listen to Proverbs 16, 90. Man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And had not the Lord directed them right tomorrow, God had them exactly where he wanted them to be. Make no mistake about it. And we have a great vantage point because we're going to be able to see the end of this and how God used this for great good for them. But we need to be in a place when we are the ones going through the trial that we are trusting in the Lord and our hearts are not reflecting bitterness, but instead, faith. Let me ask you tonight. What would your heart currently be called? Would it be called, again, a heart of bitterness, or a heart of joy, or a heart of anger, or a heart of hypocrisy, 
or maybe a heart of worship or pleasure or perversion or obedience, what, it, what would it be called? And perhaps there are several of those things there, I don't know. But again, if it's a heart of bitterness, a heart of grumbling, a heart of unforgiveness, all the more, let's open our ears. Because listen, we've all been there before, right? And maybe some of you are there tonight. And no doubt we're all going to be tempted there if the Lord tarries in the future. Because like we talked about Sunday, it's a fallen world. And at times people are going to do you wrong. (laughs) And situations are going to seem unfair. So notice 24, and all the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And as we just mentioned here, listen, these complaints... Ultimately, they weren't against Moses, but they were against the Lord. Later on in Exodus, Moses even says, listen, you're not complaining against me. Your complaints are against God. And as we just read there, a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And basically, they're saying to Moses, you know what? What are we going to drink? You've brought us out here to die. And you see the bitterness now in them, that again, the water's are very much like their heart. Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Does that mean that the wives are off the hook? The gals can't be bitter towards their husbands? Aren't the men called to set the tone for the home? Did we not talk about how bitterness spreads? Well, you get a bitter man against his wife it won't be long before she's bitter towards him outside of a divine intervention from the lord jesus christ right why does that happen listen these reasons we're talking about tonight unfair and unmet and unfilled expectations you get your eyes off jesus no one is going to be able to live up to the standard that you place on them. Bitterness sets in. We feel like something's not fair or whatever. And again, we're a blessed people. But boy, you get your eyes off the Lord and you just want to set your eyes on your spouse, they're going to fail you. There's times I fail my wife. She knows her eyes needs to be upon the Lord first and foremost. She needs to filter my behavior through the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, bitterness will set in. We desperately need his help. Boy, again, it can set in against one another for the same reasons. Jealousies, because we feel we should have that. We can be to complain and grumble. Maybe at times where we're rejected or broke or sick or suffering. Or it could even be as simple as thinking, oh, they looked at me wrong or... Not believing the best. But it sets in and it's ugly. And again, the complaints ultimately aren't against a man or a situation or a spouse or anyone else. It's against the Lord. And let me tell you, it can come in really, really quickly. Years ago, we, were, we went down to Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina. And we went in and we gutted houses and shared the gospel with people down there. And it was amazing how some of these houses that were locked up, you went in there and the whole house had been taken over by mold. Heartbreaking. Some of these houses, the people, you know what, some, some of them were older people that had lived in these houses who knows how long. I mean, 30, 40 years and they had all these knickknacks and pictures and different things they had collected. And not only was... The mold, again, in the bottom of the wall, it had gone all the way into the ceiling and it just overtook everything in the room. And I thought about it. Listen, that happened from a 30-minute event. The water in most of those places was there for 30 minutes. It came in and it left and it completely took over these homes and many of them couldn't even be salvaged at that point. Let me ask you tonight, perhaps... It's as simple as maybe a 30-minute event that has filled your heart with bitterness. And you're, some of you are like, it's been a 30-year event. But nevertheless, in God's time frame, that's still very short. 
And listen, bitterness, it doesn't produce anything that's good. Hebrews 12, 4, we read it already, but notice, pursue peace with all people. And listen, sometimes the only peace you can pursue is you share the truth with someone, and if they don't want to receive it, if they want to stand in their sin, if they want to be stubborn in their rebellion, that's their choice in the matter. And at that point, what can you do? You pray for them and you make sure your heart doesn't get filled with bitterness, right? So pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Again, if you're a Christian that wants to shine for Jesus and your heart's full of bitterness, no one's going to see the Lord. Not in my opinion. The scripture says that. Looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this notice, many become defiled. Many become defiled. Think about this. Tonight, if you're here with bitterness in your life, there's roots of bitterness. You are defiling other people, even if that's not your intent. Again, not my opinion. That's the authoritative word of God stating that. By it, many become defiled. Many become contaminated. Listen to Hebrew or Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, Evil speaking put, be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. And so that bitterness, again, not only is it defiling other people, not only is it causing trouble in your life and the lives of other people, but it's grieving the work of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. It's quenching the fruits of the Spirit of God. It's quenching the joy of the Lord. It's quenching the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So it says here, listen to forget one another. Tonight, again, if you have bitterness. Maybe you were here Sunday and you heard that call in the scripture to forgive. And you came this close, but you didn't. And you're here tonight. Listen, the Lord, again, it's not by chance that these messages align themselves for us as a fellowship. God's saying, listen, it's time to lay it down. Bitterness doesn't produce good things. Again, spiritually, it wrecks us. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father, oh, excuse me, if you, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And so again, it's that thing of we're forgiven in Christ, but if we don't forgive, if we don't lay down the bitterness, if we don't lay down the grudge, then how can the Lord take it from us? Because we have it. He can't forgive us. He can't take it from us because we won't lay it down before him. Practically. And so many times we hold on to it again to... Try to find a safe house. Try to find security. And he's saying, come, lay it down at my feet. I think about Saul, and I, I don't want to read it, but in 1 Samuel 18, it talks about the anger that Saul had towards David. And it says, as a result of that, a distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. And so again, not only in our bitterness does it cause trouble, Many are defiled. It grieves the Holy Spirit. We hold on to it so the Lord can't take it because we're holding on to it. We don't want to lay it down before Him and it opens the door for a distressing spirit to come upon us. Now as a believer, you cannot be possessed, but you better believe you can be demon oppressed. This is all from roots of bitterness. And I'll tell you, absolutely bitterness and resentment It's something that absolutely affects us physically and emotionally as well. It brings stress. Listen, there is nothing worse for your physical and emotional well-being than stress. Olympic athletes have dropped down dead before that were in the epitome of good health. And it came out. When study was done upon their being, that stress was the thing that put them in the grave. Again, it causes trouble. Many become defiled. 
And absolutely, Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. And listen, what's a good word? A good word is, as you have been forgiven, forgive. And what's the opposite of that? Holding on a grudge. Again, absolutely sets it in. Well, how do we get free? We've touched on a little bit of already, but 25. So he cried out to the Lord. Again, 24. The people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Boy, listen, it all starts with crying out to the Lord. Amen. Listen, if there's bitterness in your heart or God forbid in the days to come, bitterness gets in your heart, cry out to the Lord. Humble yourself on the side of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Admit your sin. Bring your struggle before him. Say, God, I am struggling with this bitterness. Listen, the Lord knows what it feels like to be betrayed. God, I am really wrestling with this. I need your help. Don't hide it from the Lord. Don't hide the fact you're being tempted to be bitter. Don't hide that you are bitter from the Lord. Bring it before him and cry out to him and be honest with God. Cry out to him. And notice, as he cried out to the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree. Listen to 1 Peter 2.21. For in this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Listen to this clearly. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So Jesus didn't get bitter. He didn't threaten back. He didn't revile when he was reviled. But notice 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body. Are are you ready for this? On a tree. That we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Listen, it's not by chance the Lord showed him a tree and when he cast into the waters, the waters will be sweet. That he threw in that tree and that Jesus died on the cross for us on what? On a tree. And I'll tell you what, when bitterness sets in, what do we need to do? It's time to throw in the tree. It's time to throw in the cross. It's time to recognize, listen, I'm only saved because of the cross. I am forgiven because of the cross. And yes, as we looked at Sunday, and we know sometimes we have to go address the situation and pursue peace. Sometimes we have to address sin. And there's other times we need to be long-suffering and just pray for one another. But regardless of what happens on that end, the tree has to be thrown in. It has to start with acknowledging, I'm a sinner. Jesus has died for me. Do we not cleave to the old rugged cross for our salvation? And so when you throw in the tree, all of a sudden... Everything becomes into focus. God's forgiven me. Who am I not to forgive this person? Even if they don't ask for forgiveness. Even if they don't repent. Even if they want to continue in their sin. Even if in continuing in their sin they want to talk bad about me. That's out of my control. What's in my control is I can forgive them. Now that doesn't mean again that there still aren't consequences that are in place when one does not want to repent from their sin. And it doesn't mean that we have to now subject ourselves to a situation that the Bible says that we are freed from, like in Titus where it says after a first and second admonition to reject a divisive person. But that doesn't mean you don't forgive a divisive person, amen? You throw in the cross. Because if you say, well, they're divisive, and so I reject them, and that means I don't forgive them. Now, a root of bitterness sets in. God's forgiven you. You need to forgive them. Even if they don't ever ask it, even if they never repent, if they never humble the heart, if on this side of heaven you never see justice, which, are you ready for this? You may not see justice on this side of heaven. You throw on the cross. You throw on the tree. And notice, when it was cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. This is really interesting. I'll read it to you. In Exodus 15, 23, it is stated that the Israelites could not drink the water because it was bitter. How can water be bitter? Does this statement have a basis in fact? Yes, most certainly. 
When water is bitter, it usually contains dissolved minerals. These are some of the same kind found in well water, calcium and magnesium. How can bitter water be made sweet or unbitter? Maybe the tree that Moses threw had some property that could catch all the minerals responsible for making the water bitter. It goes on to talk as the idea of a soft water system. Now that very well could be the case. It could have very been well as that he threw in the tree and God did a miracle. But we're going to close here in a second with something that is just so wonderful on how God used this for good in their life. Notice what he says next. Then he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight to give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, and there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. So again, we humble our hearts, we get our eyes on Jesus, on the tree. We throw in the cross and yielding to the Lord and saying, listen, God's forgiven me by faith I'm going to give for others. And then what's he called them next? He calls them not to look back. He says, listen, I'm going to make an ordinance with you. I, I, give heed to my word. Give ear to my word. And how do we do that? By doing and keeping. And I'm going to keep you from the diseases that came upon Egypt. They thought they were just in a place where Again, there's no water here, and we're going to die. But God had brought them to a place again. Instead, to bring them to a place of testing and trial, to bring them to this place to show them, listen, do what I'm calling you to do, and I will go before you. And notice what he says here. I won't put any of the diseases on you I brought on the Egyptians, for I'm the Lord God who heals you. Now listen to this, this is incredible. Even though the waters were now drinkable, they were undoubtedly still significant with magnesium and calcium in the water. The laxative effect of this would have effectively cleaned out the systems of the children of Israel of common Egyptian ailments like dysentery, a weakening disease common and other weakening diseases common among Egyptian peasants. In addition, calcium and magnesium together form the basis of a drug called dolomite, used by some athletes as performance enhancers in hot weather conditions. At Mara, God was providing the right medicine to both clean out their systems and prepare them for a long, hot march to Sinai. God was not only interested in getting the children of Israel out of Egypt, He also wanted to get Egypt out of the children of Israel, both physically and spiritually. Isn't that awesome? So again, God brought them to this place. They began to get bitter. They forgot the promises of God. They didn't count their blessings. They forgot they were singing praise songs. A few days earlier, they forgot they'd been delivered out of the iron furnace and through the baptism of Moses. They began to get bitter. They began to get complaining. Moses cries out to the Lord. Boy, that's the first step. We look to the cross, we throw in the cross, and when we do that, what happens? God absolutely, he brings healing, and he wants to bring us into a better place than we were before. And we got to remember that when we're in the wilderness, and we're up against the wall, and we're tempted to be bitter, because absolutely, God wants to work it for our good and for his glory. It's incredible. He is the God who heals us and then they come to this place again with 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees and you're like hey boy it sounds like paradise but there's more trials that are coming (laughs) heavenly father we bless you tonight we praise you we just thank you for your goodness we thank you for your word we thank you lord that you made that way of forgiveness for us and lord i just pray that tonight god if there's any here that have bitterness and unforgiveness in their hearts towards another individual or a group or a situation. 
again, there would be the acknowledgement that ultimately that's against you. And maybe there's some here tonight that they just say, I'm angry at God. I pray we'd understand, God, that we don't have that right. We're sinners that deservingly deserve hell, and yet you threw in the tree. You went to the tree to make that way of salvation for us. And we receive that salvation by your grace through faith in you, Lord. Let us be found walking now in that victory. And I just pray tonight, God, if there's any that need to cry out to you, that they will take that first step. Crying out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, give us faith right now. Can we say amen to that? Give us faith to trust in you, to lean on you. To know, God, that God, in the trials and the tribulations, you are are with us. You don't abandon us. You don't abandon your children. We pray that tonight, God, healing could come. Deliverance could come through the work of the cross. Taking that step of faith, of laying down whatever needs to be laid down and throwing in the cross of Calvary. If you haven't called on Jesus, listen, today's the day of salvation. It's time to humble your heart and call on the Lord and get washed and forgiven tonight. He will meet you where you are. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and all the blessings we have in you. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we got about 10 minutes to the bottom of the hour when the kids are let out. So for the next 10 minutes, just want to encourage you to consider getting a small group for some prayer and maybe just some fellowship. And then uh, again, as, at 8.30, you're welcome to check out your kids and whatnot. And uh, I'm going to be hanging out up here, invite Dwight and Pastor Ron and Pastor Dwight up here. If you tonight want to get prayed for or anointed with oil, we'll be up here and we'd love to pray for you as well. So God bless you guys.